Welcome back to Division One Rejects. We've got the man overseeing the black turf from Sports Center, Sports Illustrated, Front Office Sports, House of Highlights. You name it. Trevor, it's been everywhere. We've got the man, Ed Rabies, the head coach at SUNY Morrisville, joining us tonight for this episode. If you want to fast forward right to that conversation, use the timestamps right at the bottom if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, Spotify, Apple Podcast listeners, welcome back to Division One Rejects. This is episode 112. Already gave it the guest. Tonight is July 20th. I'm joined by Milford Football's finest in the chair on the right. Trevor Lee. You're going to sit there silently. Yep. Okay. Well, welcome back. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk with Coach Raby all about the Mustangs, uh, SUNY Morrisville and the Empire, Empire 8, excuse me, Division 3 squad. And like I said, the black turf field they put in. We reacted to it a couple weeks back, or a couple episodes back, excuse me. And, uh, you know, Trev, not, not one to usually pat ourselves on the back, but we were on that shit first. We were the first. I think so. And were we the reason that it got out? Maybe, maybe not. We can believe it, though. We will continue to believe it. We absolutely will. Otherwise, on tonight's episode, we're going to talk about another Division Three team, that being University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Coming back to our team feature series, uh, talk all about Warhawk football. That is a program that if you know anything about Division Three football, you know about Whitewater, the success that they've had. And our last piece of small college ball talk tonight, that's kind of a tongue twister. Say that five times fast. Small college ball. Small college ball. Uh, Virginia Union, Division Two team out of the CIAA. They just released some new uniforms on Twitter. We're going to take a look at that video, talk a little bit about them. The CIAA preseason rankings also just dropped today. Uh, so we'll have a lot of those media day type events going on in the next couple weeks. We will react to those. Not a lot of surprises. Preseason rankings are pretty status quo. But we're still going to look at it because it's, it's our job. So otherwise, NFL side of things. Some more alternate uniforms dropped. We got the Colts yeah. and the Seahawks. They might be the best ones. I think we can stamp that. I think, and not only are the Seahawks potentially the best uniforms at alternate wise we've seen in the NFL, but the launch of said uniforms with the videos, the photos, they have a whole retro 90s website that coincided with the launch. Interactive. It's, oh, I didn't know that. We're going to take a look at it later in this episode. So, like sweet. I said, if you're watching on YouTube, use those timestamps bottom of the screen to fast forward to any part of the episode. I'm really excited about today, and that's because. We already recorded the intro or the uh, interview with Coach Raby, and uh, he was awesome. So I guess I already gave out all the plugs. Follow us on Twitter, D1 underscore rejects, at inst- on Instagram, at Division One Rejects, and subscribe. I need to add that to my list. We need more subscribers, and not even as a self-promo thing. I want to get to 1,000 subscribers so we can go live on YouTube and do live shows. That would be so electric. That'd that be fun. Be. That would be So fun. the only way we can do that is if we get to 1,000 subscribers. We're almost halfway there. If you're watching it, all it takes is a button. I'm not going to bug you every day. Just please, just hit the button. That's enough self-indulging. Let's get to the conversation with Coach Raby. Joining the show tonight, head coach at SUNY Morrisville in New York, a former Alma Scott, a little bit of a Michigan tie, current overseer of the black turf that has internet <laughs> trolls rolling over in their sleep. It's Coach Raby. What's going on, Coach? Not much, man. How about yourself? I am pumped to get you on here. We are also, Trevor and I are relieved that you did not melt when you went out on the field the other day. <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to make this episode happen or not. Yeah, it was, uh, I, was, I was a little worried, but it ended up being fine. The 77 degrees just, just doesn't do it, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> I, the average. The average temperature in July here is 78 degrees. So okay. It's, so it's about average. I mean, Marquette is just about the same, man. We get an odd weekend here where it might get up into that 80 range, but that's 
that's about it. I mean, but just getting right into that and talking about that, did you and your staff and that, you know, those people over there, did you have any inkling of what kind of reaction you're going to get when this announcement was made? Um, I think we knew there was going to be a reaction. I think it, it's social media. This is what people do on social media. They, they take it and they over-exaggerate what, if it's a negative opinion. And uh, that's, I guess I'm not surprised by that aspect of it. But it's all good. People are more than able to have their own opinion. Uh, we've done our research on our end and our school did its due diligence. So we're excited for it and our players are excited for it. Hell yeah. Now that we got the politically correct answer out of the way, we can continue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're 100 percent right. Like I don't want to, I don't want to take you know take that away from you. That's a, that's the correct answer. It's what you're supposed to give. Now, someone made a note uh, and played their case on social media the other day. This could be a home field advantage for you guys. I don't know what the difference is. You guys probably haven't been out there, but the analogy I made to Trevor was: I read about this Chinese basketball team, and stay with me here. This Chinese yep. basketball team that would play in this gym that they brought up to like 80, 90 degrees. And then when these other teams came in and they're pregame, they're like, this is going to be a long game. Now it's hyperbole. It's exaggeration, but maybe a little bit of a home field advantage for the Stangs this year. I don't know about that. I mean, I think for, I'm going to just say the coach talk right now, but the reality is (laughs) the reality is colored turf is not going to win us any games. We got to go execute. So, I think it's a great experience for our players, and, and definitely they'll be more used to it than, than the visitors. But uh, we still got to go out and actually play ball. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and we're gonna we'll get the ball soon enough. Trust me. Um, but you know, I mean, man, after you get on Sports Center, you know, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions about this damn thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was absurd. I mean, I it's crazy. What crazy, like? I, mean. I just know, like, you know, not to. I'm sitting on my golf course shift one morning and I had tweeted at Pat McAfee who was one of my like biggest inspirations. And right. when he replied to me, I almost fell out of my cart. I, right. I got to imagine, I don't know what the visual was, what you were doing, but I have I to mean, imagine you scrolling through and just like, yeah, the crazier part is just the, the amount of people that reached out that I haven't talked to and like people from high school like you know, big time that, I, now. that I haven't talked to in a long time. Oh, no. and, you know, they're like, okay, you guys got black turf. You're all over my feet. And, you know, it's it's cool to see SUNY Morrisville, you know, being talked about, in, in my opinion. You know, I think it allows us to tell our story. But it is, it's been a crazy two days. I mean, it's like you got House of Highlights or some people were telling me all the different people posting it. So uh, it's it's a cool, cool time to be a Mustang. Hell yeah, man. And one thing that I think a lot of people were saying, too, is like, man, imagine that down in Arizona and in California <laughs> where it's 110 degrees. Yeah, no shit. All right. And. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, right. That's you ridiculous. That, that is totally right, not yeah. the case. And like I said, I've been out to your neck of the woods a couple times in Marquette. We deal with a very similar climate. I think it's tough for people to understand that geographically that you're just you're facing elements in a totally different way up there. It's a oh, totally yeah. different type of ball. Oh yeah. It's kind of funny because our trainers are great and, and they always you know, you the trainers have a system with the NATA that has protocols in place for heat and cold. And I made a, a joke to one of my colleagues. I said, you know, we've been talked about more about not being able to go out for spring ball because it's too cold than we've ever been talked about for heat. So I think <laughs> we're over here. We're, we're more worried about being able to get out for the spring ball practices because the snow is on the ground. I love that. And last, absolute last bit on the field. This actually has nothing to do with it being black turf, but something that we noticed when we watched that initial video that the athletics tar- department released is there's just a lot of lines, like borderline plethora of lines out there. Obviously, 
you know, a school like that, you guys have a lot of varsity programs, a lot of different sports. You got lacrosse and soccer and these other sports that need to use the field. But for some reason, maybe it's just the black turf and the way it comes off there. It just, uh, I mean, I wouldn't imagine, I mean, you guys haven't been out there very much, but that won't be a hindrance to, to you guys and knowing any field position or anything like that. No, no. I think it's, you know, one of the things that doesn't get talked about is the reason turf up north in the northern states exists is because if you're at a smaller institution, to be able to maintain with the weather, you know, 30 grass fields is very difficult to do. So that's one of the big reasons teams get turf. We went out there, we've gone out there a couple of times. It actually, when you're on the field, it's hard to even tell of the lines. Okay. Like you can't even really, you know, kind of similar to a green field that has a lot of lines, which our past field did. You really don't notice it when you're on the field. When you're up above, it does pop a little bit more because of the color. Interesting. No, that makes a lot of sense. I get that. And I think, yeah, it is just literally the contrast. And it's me being yeah. a, you know, a dumbass <laughs> sometimes and just picking apart videos that I see. But um, enough turf talk. All right. I told you we put it behind <laughs> us relatively early. We can talk about your squad a little bit because that's what I really wanted to get you on here. I mean, you get your, we get our clickbait out of the way though, because that'll, that'll be what gets yeah, us the clicks. Absolutely. They come in click, for the turf click coach. On and watch it. That's right. <laughs> they come in for the turf and they stick around for the riveting football talk. That is the, that's, right. that's the formula over here. So, um, let's talk about your Mustangs. You've strung together some solid wins up there, right? And from an outsider's perspective, as everything is that comes out of my mouth on this show, Rocky start in year one at the helm for you, but you come back in 2022 with a vengeance, it seems like, and a fire lit on somewhere underneath you, and you knock off Hobart at the beginning of the year. And, you know, for someone who doesn't know that name and doesn't know your guy's schedule, they put a 41-point shutout on you guys in 2021, and you come yeah. out and knock them off the board in 2022 was that just like a we've arrived moment for you and your staff? That had to be pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a big win for us. It helped us kind of springboard us to a great start. Uh, we felt we had a good team. You always, in our league, it's kind of, and the MIAA is a really good league right now. I keep track of it. But it's one of those things where every team can beat you in our league. And every our non-conference schedule is tough. But prior, the 2-8 and eight season, you kind of mentioned that, you know, we – we went through a lot of stuff with coach changes and things like that and COVID, obviously. Yep. At the end of the year in 2021, we beat Brockport. And that win, I think, was critical for our team to realize, oh, wow, this you know, this is a team that's won three out of the last five Empire 8 titles. And we had beaten them even when we, were, we probably weren't the most talented team, right? So that kind of springboard us into a great offseason. And then to be able to come out and beat Hobart, which is a team that was top 25 and had beaten us 41 nothing the year before, I think at that point, you know, our guys realized that we had a special football team and we were able to string some wins together and have a great season. I love that. And I think that actually gets overshadowed a lot is that that end of the year and going into the offseason, mm -hmm. especially for a team like you guys, like we've been in that situation, Trevor, our team, that, you know, let's face it, had a kind of a shit year, but at the end of the year, if you can put together a win, especially if it's against some type of quality opponent, like you just talked about what that does for your confidence, for your morale into the off season and heading into the spring ball and all the other things I think uh, is kind of immeasurable. Now keeping on that 2022 season, even in the games you lost in that year, you look <laughs> at the margins, the margins were so much closer and that head shake yeah. is exactly that proves my point. Exactly. You lose mm -hmm. to Utica by three, another quality squad. And at the end of the year, RPI by only four. So I think that's a great test and a great measurement of an improving team is that, yeah, you win some of these games that you weren't winning before, but even the ones that you lose are just that much closer. Yeah. I think for our team going forward, that was a big, 
you know, you don't want to, for us, it's like we could have been 10 and one. I mean, we, if, oh, yeah. if you go to the Brock Moore game, it's three, three in the fourth quarter. And uh, we kind of crumbled at the end there. So, I mean, we were, we were very close. We were, uh, uh, in my opinion, I'm not going to get too much into it, but in my opinion, we were a couple of plays away from winning RPI and winning against Brockport. Yep. And we were a poor, a poor fishing decision away from okay. being Utica. Hey, um, we got all day coach. You get into it. <laughs> I know I'm not going to get into that, but it, the, the point is we were this close to 10 and one. There was yep. really only one team, in my opinion, that beat us in the sense that they were just better than us. Mm-hmm. Right. The other teams, they you know, kudos to them. They're great football teams, and they executed better than we did, and that's the way football works. But we felt at the end of those games that we had let it get away. So that brought some motivation into our offseason this year. You know, our guys realized, hey, we're close. We're close, but we got to, you know, every game in our league is going to be a, a tough, close game. So we got to be able to finish. Hell yeah. This year is going to be all about finishing. Year three for you and I was going to ask, you know, is there any one thing that quantifies this year as a quote-unquote success in your eyes and looking into it, you know, Morrisville joins the Empire 8 back in 2015, two years before you got there. They've yet to win a conference title. So that's got to be something I'd imagine that's in big, bold text somewhere around that locker room. Uh, it's actually, you know, not, we don't really talk about that okay. part much. I think the way that we approach it, and I think our guys want to be as successful as we can be. You know, we want to win every game, and that's that's the reality of it. But the way we kind of approached last season and the way we're going to approach this season is our goal is to win the first game. So everything we've been doing since November at the end of last year's season is to to win our first game, you know. And, and that really helped us because, again, there's so many things that happen in a season that it's really hard, you know, if you put this, this thing out there, what happens if that doesn't happen? You have to be able to have goals that you can readjust every week. You know, we're a good football team. We're going to have a lot of close games, in my opinion. Let's focus on winning one game at a time and, and let the rest of it take care of itself. And that's the best way to approach football, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I'm right with you, Coach. And, uh, yeah, totally ignore me on that because if it, you did it <laughs> and it worked in 2022, then do not let some pun come on here and tell you to switch it up and make some new signage because you absolutely don't need it. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about the ECAC, the Bowl Series. That was something yeah. that – I try and do a little bit of my research, but I had never stumbled across that before. So talk a little bit about uh, about that and your game last year. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool because I, I played at Alma College, as you mentioned. And, you know, when I was there, you know, we, we didn't win as many games as I would like, but there wasn't really a bowl system over in the Midwest. Yep. When I went out to Alfred University, who's in the Empire as well, I was kind of kind of shocked. <laughs> like at the end of the season, we were six, I think we were six and three, and we got a bowl game. I'm like, what's this? You know, so out here, the ECAC, and there's a couple of leagues that have partnerships, they do bowl games, you know, and, and I think it's great because in the in Division Three football, there's like 240-plus teams. Only 32 teams make the playoffs. We're like the lowest percentage in terms of number of teams that make it. Mm-hmm. So having bowl games really helps when a team has a great season. They get an op- another opportunity for the seniors especially, right? You get one more game. And I've always thought that that's the best part about the bowl games is you get teams that are good with their where their seniors can have one more time to go out with their team and have an experience. And if you win, you win the championship. You know, it's always good to win a championship. Oh yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, wanted to touch on the defensive side of the ball because you're the head coach, but you are still in charge of the defense, correct? Correct. And correct. I noticed too. Just side note here, hang with me that you know your actual staff itself very small. 
very uh, yes. close-knit staff over there. <laughs> yeah, it's a small staff, no doubt about it. That list was what, six, seven guys? Yeah, well, it's, we, we have nine. Okay. We'll have nine guys on the field. but uh, Okay, good, good. Yeah, we, we have a smaller staff than most teams, yes. Yeah, hey, like I said, if it ain't broke, man, then you, you're so. doing all right. Um, but you are in charge of the defense in addition to your, your head coaching duties. You guys allowed the least amount of points in the Empire Eight last year, excuse me, averaging over our – just over 11 per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty special group. I mean, I mean yeah. I was, I was hoping uh, for a little I mean, bigger we, reaction out of you there. Well, well, I mean, we're <laughs> – I'm just I kidding. Mean, I'm kidding. Dude, I mean, it was a fun year. I mean, it was a great, great experience. I think, you know, um, it was great because Morrisville, kind of the history, give you a little bit of a history lesson. You know, Coach Fitz, who is now the head coach at Cortland, used to be the head coach here. Okay. I did not know and, that. And obviously they're in our league, but I always tell people all the time, listen, our foundation was built by Coach Fitz. We already had, you know, our, our seniors last year, even though they were two and eight the year before, we had had winning seasons in 2018 and 2019. So it's not like we didn't have guys that knew how to win. But Morrisville's always been known for its offense. And now I like that the fact that we, when, when I came in in 2017, just we've been able to build each year defensively to a point where now, when you think of Morrisville, you think of offense, defense, special teams. It's not just, you know, one side of the ball that's dominating. So it was a special year. We had some really good football players on the defensive side of the ball that that had us play a style of game, and we would slow the game down because, you know, if we could have lower possession games and we knew we were going to stop teams every possession, then we could win, win those close ones against some teams. So it was a special group. We got to replace some really good players in that on that group. I think we lost four. Four, uh, four all-conference guys, and three of them were linebackers. So that hurts. We, we've got to replace those guys, but we have a great group coming back. We have over eight, nine guys that played a lot of snaps yeah. from that defense. So we're, we're excited to see if we can even improve on it. And I think the most impressive is probably actually not even that stat, but it's the stat that predates that, is the fact that the year before, you guys were second to worst in the conference. And now right. your conference isn't full of 25 teams. It's not – some type of miracle jump, right. but it is still incredibly impressive to yeah, go from job. that point uh, in the conference to being the top dog just in that stat, you know, as that is regarded. But either way, man, I think that's uh, extremely impressive. But one other stat that I saw, because um, I'm, I'm a stat guy. I mean, you have to be. Uh, you guys let up only nine sacks in 11 games last year. Is that a typo? No, no, it's not. I mean, holy cow. Um, yeah, our, our O-line did a great job, and we've got a quarterback that can – our quarterback's really good. I mean, he's a great player, okay. and, and he okay. can get out of trouble. He's a good runner. He's a physical runner. So that helps, too. You know, when yeah. you get into trouble, a guy can take off and, and gain some yards. So, yeah, I mean, we, we had a great great season protecting the quarterback, and, and hopefully we can keep doing that. Yeah. What are the uh, what are the thoughts from the guys right now getting ready to go out on spring ball? There might be a couple drones flying over to see that black turf in action. <laughs> well, I'm sure our school's got drones going over. Our guys are excited for camp. Um, I think that, you know, one of the great things about the turf, going back to the turf, is that it just adds another layer of excitement. Everyone's always excited to come back for camp. But now there's another layer, and it gives our guys a a great, unique experience. You know, I've been telling people all along, the the goal is not to win games because of the turf. The goal is to give your student-athletes a unique experience. And you guys, sounds like you guys play too, right? So, like, part of the college experience is, is doing things that, some people never do, right? Oh, Having yeah. the opportunity to do things that are unique and be with your your buddies that are going to be best friends the rest of your life and be able to 20 years from now say, hey, we were the first guys to play 
on black turf. So it's not necessarily even just about, it's not about the winning part. It's in, in the turf part. It's, it's about the experience. And now I get to be on your show and other, our AD gets to do interviews and we can tell the story of SUNY Morrisville, which is a great place with great academic programs and just a great family atmosphere. Oh yeah. I love it. I love it, man. That's good. And I, uh, in our little video I posted, I was ripping you guys cause, uh, no <laughs> visitor stands over there. Oh yeah. It was funny that we, now I did, I did do, I did follow up on that. The home side might be the best in the country as far as like nice. fan seating goes. It's pretty nice. We got a, you know, it's, when you said that we were dying, we were dying. <laughs> Let's but, go. But the, the, is in some ways it makes us feel like you know okay we're the villains that don't give anybody <laughs> I love that. you know but because of the reality is that the the the, the field is on like right next to our school is the elementary school okay right? and so there's a, there's a field over there that the elementary school owns so there's really no space to put visitor stands so they have to sit on the home sideline but yeah, if you look at our, we have a suite up at the top of our oh, press box. Oh, I saw them. that we that we use for for recruiting, and we have a great facility. So, yeah, it was funny when you said it because we were we were like, man, we're the we're, we got to take that and run with it and say we're the villains <laughs> for that. I was talking about how the conference championship is is going to be up in the locker room. They might put one of my quotes in there just to piss everybody off before the game or something. But um, it did remind me actually of I had mentioned to you before we got talking that I've been out to Ithaca a couple times. Well, yes. I actually went out there for a camp at um, uh, Cornell, and so when you think yeah, about yeah. their setup and with you know is it Olympia Olympia Field or Stadium? I'm not sure the name, but it's something a, along it's those lines. But you know what I'm talking about? It almost looks like a coliseum on one side yes. of the field with one of the largest stands I've ever seen. And the other Correct. side is just the press box. Now, the yep. great part about that coach, and I'm a media guy, so I think about this immediately. You tell every single one of your camera guys, do not film <laughs> from the home side. Please right. film from the other side where you can see every single one of these fans at this game. And that right. I'm just I'm just spitting out free game here for your creative department, but yeah, I mean, we got a great photo in the background here with, with oh, yeah. the fans, you know. Oh, yeah. They get it. They the get stadium, it. They don't need so. my advice, Coach. They got it. But <laughs> that's all I got for you, Coach. Um, I cannot thank you enough. This has been great. I hope you have uh, enjoyed it as much as I have. We really appreciate you uh, coming on here tonight, man. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having us on. We're, we're more than excited. And hopefully we can come on again maybe sometime in the hey, future. After you guys have the 2023 that I know you'll have, we will uh, be having another <laughs> conversation. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Sweet, Coach. Appreciate we'll see you. Have a good night. Thank you to Coach Raby. That was awesome. Really enjoyed that conversation with him. Uh, Trevor, you said it right when we finished. Like, just straight up football guy. He's just a football guy. <laughs> and we already had our football guy piece earlier in the week. But maybe, Coach Raby. Maybe he'll be my football guy of the week next he, week. He might be. He might, he might be. be. After this episode gets hella pub and he's everywhere because he's the man. Yes. I think we'll have, to bring, we'll have to bring that back for sure. But uh, we're going to stick in the Division Three side of things before moving on. And the team that we wanted to talk about today is in the WEAC, that being the UW-Whitewater Warhawks. Again, another. I'm all with the tongue twisters today a little bit. Uh, the Warhawk team, for those of you, again, who, I don't know, maybe live under some type of rock, but if you're new to the Division Three football, they won national championships in 2007, 09, 10, 11, and then again in 14. They've not claimed the trophy since, but they did make it to the semifinals uh, in 2021. Lost the UMHB, who won it all that, that, that year, I believe, against Northwestern. So, or Northwestern, North Central. Sorry, that's a little bit different division. This team, though, I say all that just to say, like, this team has had a huge resume of success. And in semi-recent history, the tradition over there and the standard certainly has not fallen at all. But uh, 
before we get into any of that, Trevor, you know what we're going to look at first, don't you? I'll they're, take that as a negative. But Their unreal stadium? Yeah, their stadium is absolutely unreal. It's insane, dude. We put this in our post, actually, if you don't follow us on uh, Instagram or Twitter, as one of the top five Division Three stadiums in the country. Now, we didn't rank them. Maybe we should go back at one point and actually rank them. But this certainly had to make our list. And I know, first of all, that's a ginormous grandstand. But the thing that stands out to me is that it looks like it's in a bowl. Yeah, I was, right? ju- I was just going to say that. It's definitely. And I think any stadium that's like in a bowl, like naturally, like, well, probably wasn't natural. They probably designed it that way. I think there are both. Like, there are some yeah. that are yeah. man-made. I guess. Is that yeah. the correct? Yeah. But it, I just think any stadium that's made like a ball look, just looks amazing. Like, Not only does it look amazing, but I actually think when you talk about the structure of the stadium, and, you know, I shoot a little video, I know a little audio, but I'm no sound engineer. I think when you have that concave, oh yeah, that crowd noise is sticking mm-hmm. right in there. That I, uh, environment is so much more like, I don't you know what I'm doing with my hands. Yeah. Well, like from a <laughs> much smaller scale, but going back to Milford. Oh, our, okay, uh, okay. Our rival... Lakeland High School. They were they had like a bowl shaped stadium, and it always felt so much louder than it it should have been. You know what I'm considering to say. that yeah. Lakeland had nobody show up to their games, huh? I I wish that was true. But uh, I was trying to help you yeah. out there, rivals but, and shit. But yeah, <laughs> they beat me every yeah. year I was in high school. But anyways, they yeah. were bowl shaped, and it just it always seems like it it's so much better for a stadium wise, and it feels more. Yeah, what's the word? We're both missing it right now. We are like. I, it's almost intimate. It's almost like uh, you're more in the moment. Yeah. Okay. We can, run, we can roll with that. Yeah. 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 Maybe. <laughs> we need a better word, but. We do. But their stadium, I mean. Bull's good. Dude. Bull, bull is good. And Trevor, we had the aerial shot. I have one shot from the field. Oh, my goodness. Those stands are huge. They really are. Nice little press box up there, right up top, 34 conference championships. Looks like that top level, there's some press, but also you have kind of those, there might even be some sweet type deal on the top yeah, right there. I'm not sure what's going on, but when you talk about just an absolute quantity of fans and just turnout at games, I have to imagine this is one of their better ones from one of those seasons where they were making a, a trip, a run to the Natty. Oh my goodness, man. Division three, D2, D1, I don't care. That is a turnout. That's yeah, really oh, impressive. Yeah. I love that, dude. I love it. Um, but we continue. We always start with the facilities because I think that's a fun thing to just start with. And when you go to wow. Whitewater, the facilities speak for themselves. That is the locker room. Look how open it is. Like At it's, Division it's Three big. University. It's incredible. Yeah. Holy shit. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, the, yeah, like you said, well, it's extremely open. Yeah. The actual, like, just the art, the graphics. They and natural sunlight in it, it appears. I was about to say, like, I wasn't going to say the sunlight, but the planning, right? Yeah. Like, the planning of just, mm-hmm. like, the space itself. You could tell that this was uh, definitely a predetermined thing. Now, the one thing I will point out is, homie in the middle of the screen there, this is a long exposure picture, and it looks like he walked in front of the camera at the wrong time. So he's got, like, a little apparition in front of the <laughs> Do you see that? I didn't even notice that at first. <laughs> That's funny. So the way that works with the camera, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll school everyone here a little bit, is that when you, you know, when you press a camera button and hear that click, that's actually the shutter closing on the camera. And so that's how long the shutter is open is how much light is let into the actual sensor. In a long exposure picture, that shutter stays open for a longer period of time. And what happens if you move around in that is that you get motion blur like crazy. Or in this case, it was open for so long that dude just walked in front of the camera at the wrong time. I'm really surprised this made its way onto the internet. Um, and Where dude have, didn't just retake the shot. 
Where they have a friendly ghost in their locker room. Or, this wasn't a long exposure, I'm a phony, and that is, I don't know, Wally, Wally the Warhawk. Yep. That's definitely not his name. I don't know his <laughs> name. I don't know the mascot's name. <laughs> um, Wally. Wally. Just made it up on yeah, the fly. Yeah, okay, I kind of did. Um, but even Inter- better than, um, Producing I custom- have, if I can get the audio off it here, even better than pictures. What does it more justice than a couple photos of the facilities? We got a little bit of a tour here of the Whitewater facilities because why not, basically, right? Um, And I will pull this up right now because there are some really good little bits in this video, and I wanted us just to take a look at it before we talk a little bit more about their stats. Trevor, first of all, hell of a drone shot right there. Pound the rock coming out to the field, absolutely sick. That is their head coach of the university. Whoever's on the drone, by the way, kudos. I mean, those shots are awesome. I like their uniforms, too, by the way. Yeah. Crisp, pretty simple. Yeah. Purple does clash a little bit. Helmet to jersey, a little bit different. Man, that another view at that stand, dude. Just incredible. This is a sweet video. They knock it out of the park over mm-hmm. there at Whitewater, man. By the way, interview with all the trophies in the background. Oh, now panning to the trophy. Now we just go right to it. Hey, why not? Look if you win all of them, I'd be wow. putting them in an interview, too. Now we get into some of the facilities here, and you're going to see, like, this place. I'm not going to say does it like no other, but damn close, dude. I don't know a lot of teams at this level that have this dedication to their facilities, everything down to even the meeting rooms here. Like, the fact that there's football helmets in there shows you, like, this is a football-dedicated meeting room, yeah, which is really sick. That's a shark tank. Yeah. Did you, <laughs> did you see shark. that? Don't know what that means. but I don't know. There you go, dude. Look. Oh. I'm just impressed about how big it is. Like We're going to rewind that. That locker room is spectacular. How many kids have got on this damn team? That's so sick. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is it? We got are those massage chairs. They're just, they're just like comfy. They just look like comfy spots. They might just be comfy spots. Either way, man. Look at that. That is something special. That is real special. There's a bunch of the national championship teams. Warhol. We'll talk a little bit about their pro alumni here in a little bit. But man, I mean, you can just see like this program has been around a long time. They've been winning for a long time. The tradition, the history, and the freaking tubs at this place. I don't know if I'd use them right now and. No, nope. maybe you know what? Yeah, but still, it's lacking something. But. It is, you know, it's a tub without what should be in a tub. Yep, but but we scrubbed up, up. Nothing. It's still impressive. <laughs> <laughs> All I was right, trying to say nevertheless. I think, but that was a hard word. For I me. think uh, either way, I think we got a good glimpse at all of the stuff from the Warhawks. Now we can talk a little bit more on the football side of things. Don't worry. We don't just watch videos and look at pictures here on this show. But, uh, Trevor, let's go and start uh, back in the past, 2022 for UW-Whitewater. And the biggest thing for them starting in 2022, you'll see they come out here. They lose their first game to St. John's, quality opponent. And then they have their home opener against Mary Harden Baylor. And that is a squad that um, went on, we know, to... Have I mean they've been each year they've made deep runs into the playoffs, but right away you come back from that opening loss and you beat UMHB at your place. That was a big one for them, and it looks like that got them on the right track because you go through the rest of the league here um, as they get into conference play a little bit later in the WEAC and win, 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 win. 
This was the game that surprised a lot of people. UW Platteville, they lose to them 13-17 about three quarters into the season. You're into the heart of WEAC play right there. Yeah. Platteville, that was one of the bigger upsets in Division Three last year. And they still made it into the playoffs, don't get me wrong, the Warhawks did, but certainly threw a wrench into their seeding and probably scared them at the time as far as the conference play is concerned because you see how tight of a game against River Falls was just the following week, 30-27. to We talk about winning margins with Coach Raby, and this conference has some of the tightest margins at Division Three level. I mean, some of these wins right here, you look right there, 34-31 against Lacrosse, a little bit bigger against Eau Claire, Oshkosh, always going to be a tight game. They lose that Platteville game, win by three against River Falls, uh, a one-score game against Stout, and then, man, Stevens Point just got though, some yeah. pent-up aggression. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. <laughs> 79 to... That hurts. Bad. That really hurts. They they weren't slowing down at all. No. It's not easy to score 79 points. Well, it's actually like a, yeah, it's, it's like, like <laughs> regardless who you're playing, 79 points is that's a basketball score. <laughs> it absolutely is. Um but we can talk more about their team before we look into uh their 2023 schedule and preview that a little bit. Uh a big theme you'll see here from the Warhawks as we continue to talk about them is that they're losing some pretty big-time contributors, especially in the offensive side of things, um, also defensively too, but they lose their starting quarterback, Evan Lewandowski. He was a dog in 2022, and I'll bring up his stats here to kind of illustrate a little bit of what he did for this team. Um, looking at his stats from this past season, he also looks like he did some like punting or kicking for them, which is kind of funny here. Uh, but looking through this, 200 completions, he had over 2,300 yards and 18 touchdowns. That's a really big year. The one part of his game that did struggle, though, is 12 interceptions. He had four of them against Wisconsin-Platteville. So oh, we wow. go back well, to that, that game. That makes a lot more sense. Exactly. It's that hard to game win was huge. At least four turnovers. Dude, four turnovers? Yeah. How are you even in? Like, that's the only reason they would have been in that game. Yeah. Looking at uh, kind of the rest of the squad, though. I guess it's impressive, though, that their defense still held them to 17 points. Because you got to think, I don't have them right in front of me, but like, like obviously an interception is an interception, but an interception in the red zone versus on your own 15 is yeah. very different. It's like, what were the field position yeah. on those? You would guess at least one of them is not in Whitewater's favor, Absolutely. field position-wise. Absolutely, yeah. Even the, We don't have it right in front of us, like you said. But. Yeah. I don't have to look into that. But uh, another quarterback alum, not someone who they're just recently losing. He was a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Blizzard this year. Kind of a new one. I know we don't talk about that's an indoor league. Uh, Max Mailer. And I'll throw up. Like arena. Yeah, I believe it is. Um, But first season with the Blizzard, he ends up um, becoming the starting quarterback after being the backup. And if you look at. These pictures, dude, on his profile. I'll pull it up here for you. Look at the ball in these pictures. Oh. Huh. Looks like a ball I'd get as like Look a little that. kid. Right? Yeah. Also, Teddy Two Glove in it. Wow. Out there. Maybe that's a sick picture. Maybe it's that ball. That's why. <laughs> the ball is just in shambles. But, oh, dude, that's sick. The yeah. all-white uniform with the white ball. That is pretty sweet. That looks badass, dude. These jerseys. By the way, Blizzard is just a dope, in my opinion, mm-hmm. just a really dope team name. It's so unique, I think too. that's pretty sick. Yeah, that's cool. I also love, like, the singular team names for whatever reason. Like, I think that's really cool. Like, Blizzard and... Like, say anything that doesn't end in S, I guess, yeah. is kind of what I'm trying to say. This but is different. It is. Totally is. Um, but 
back to uh, the current guys, the guys in this roster. The leading wide receiver, Tyler Holt, he graduates, but they still have uh, Stephen Hine, who will be a junior in the fall, could be certainly a breakout year for him. And the wide receiver position is very interesting in that, in that when you have that top dog leave, it could mean one of two things. It means potentially the guy below him now has all the opportunity in the world to go out and break all of his records from last year. But what it could also mean is that the defense's attention shifts from one playmaker to another. Right. So always very interesting to see that dynamic. Remember that name. Remember that high name here because uh, on the defensive side of things, Ryan Liska, the leading tackler, he graduates. But Egon Hein, does that sound familiar? Yes. He can and has been, has been excuse me, a solid leader for this defense. The brothers playing for Whitewater. That, to me, was probably one of the biggest stories who's, that I found. Who's older? Do you know? Damn it, Trevor, I don't know, actually. I you want to find out for me? I just had to talk about the names really quick. That. Yeah, no, uh, you know, you're going to name one kid a normal name like Egon and then come out of the blue, out of left field with Steven. <laughs> it's just like, was Egon the older one? And they're like, we just went way too crazy. Right <laughs> We're just no going way. with Steven. Play it safe. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I love it. I love it. But, like, in all seriousness, like the Hein brothers, man, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. They are going to be filling some big shoes oh, on yeah. either side of the ball this year. You could have a hind brother leading the offense and leading the defense um, in their respective positions. And I think that was kind of one of the biggest stories for me. That's something we're certainly going to follow as far as the D3 football scene goes. Because, I mean, that's awesome. How many times in sports do you have that? Uh, in 2022, actually, Whitewater had four brother duos that played on the same team together in their respective sports. They had two wrestlers, the Fortuga, Fortugnos. They had basketball players, the Barnstables. Uh, football had two pairs, the Hines also playing along the Coates brothers. That's pretty awesome. Four different pairs of brothers playing on the same teams. It's crazy. That's incredible. I think that's really cool. Um, but we can look back now at uh, the WX standings. How about that from last year before we go into the 2023 schedule, Trevor? This is a look at how they finished last year. You'll see lacrosse ends up winning both co-champions, correct? But what's actually interesting about that, and it's, I know it's far away for you to kind of read, but next to lacrosse, it has that asterisk, and they're just a co-champion. But under Whitewater, there's that little carrot or the arrow, whatever you call it, and it's a co-champion and an NCAA automatic qualifier, which was very interesting to me because lacrosse had a better record. They were 9-2 and two as opposed to 8-3. and three. Overall, they were both 6-1 and one in conference. I'm not sure actually how that is determined. I would like to know. That is really odd. Because how do you go and finish technically second, I don't know, in the conference as it looks, even though you're a co-champion, I guess, so maybe not. You're not second. but And you get the bid as opposed to lacrosse who had the better overall record. Do they yeah. have a better point differential? I'm going to say there has to be a tiebreaker or something in the conference. There has yeah. to be. And then, yeah. like, yeah. So just kind of interesting there. It was a kind of a note that I wanted to touch on. But finally, for the Warhawks, the 2023 schedule for them, uh, has been released, as have, shit, I hope most of college football because we're starting the season here pretty damn shortly. We can take a look at that before we move on. And uh, the first three games, pretty similar to last year's slate, except they do open at John Carroll, their home openers against St. John's. And that St. John game, I mean, really. They lost to St. John's last year, right? They did. You look at week two through six, that is a gauntlet. That, that really that is. is that an is, absolute gauntlet for the Warhawks. It's the top other three teams in their in the WEAC. I'm saying that right, correct? 
I think so. We'll probably get ripped for it, but I'm saying we act. So let's just both run with it. Okay, we act. <laughs> but those are We're the Gleak boys over here. Those are the the three other teams that are contenders, I'd say. I would totally agree with that. Um, lacrosse being the obvious one. River Falls is certainly up there. They have some hype around them. And Oshkosh, I just, I just think it's been really solid through the last couple of years. Uh, no no shots at Stout, Eau Claire, or, or Platteville, who obviously got well, the best I of mean, them last year. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, that that week, what I say, two through six right there, that is an absolute gauntlet. Not to take anything away from John Carroll. John Carroll actually, I believe, made our top 25 preseason rankings with the College Football Network. They're going to be a squad, not a conference game for them. That is going to be so a tough one. So it's going to be a, a big test, really. They're first, so one through what? Six? Seven. Their first six? Two, four. Yeah, six. Yeah. Holy shit, man. I'm saying it's a test, but I'm like, if you don't win them, or at least you're, most of them, yeah. you're not going to the playoffs. Ain't so. no test. You failed the test. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't it's advance. It's not just a test. That's your season. It is. So, I mean, that's six games, too. It's a big bulk of it. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, looking at this record, that was my biggest takeaway is that you have two really, three really quality out-of-conference opponents. In Division Three. they might have the toughest schedule. In all I would Division certainly III. throw them in that category because being in the WEAC, you're already in the conversation. And then your three out-of-conference are really UMHB, yeah. St. John's, and John Carroll, man. And I think we've talked about it a lot on this show, but when you have a solid program, a great sign of a program that knows they're going to be good is when you schedule these tough-ass yeah, exactly. out-of-conference games. You don't schedule those games if you know you're going to go in there and get your ass kicked and walk right. out of there with your right. tail between your legs. Right. Absolutely not. Um, so that's – I take that into account when I look at these schedules because you know coaches have a – they have a good sense, more than anyone, of how the team is going to perform this year. You go out and schedule these kind of games when you know you're going to be in and win those kind of games. You do schedule those back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Really impressive. So uh, we talked about that first six – they round that out. A couple home games here against Stout, Platteville, Stevens Point, and Eau Claire to close things out. And again, no shots taken at these squads. Those are the four lightest teams on their schedule, back to back to back to back. It right. certainly won't be a bye week into the playoffs, but this team, assuming they make it out of that gauntlet, should be coasting on, in round who, one. I'm sorry, but who decided the schedule, though? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, if I was Whitewater, you know, I'd, I'd want to space it, space it out a little, maybe. Yeah. That'd be like us being like, give me Grand Valley, Ferris, Davenport, Sac. Wait a minute. We have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on a wait, second. Wait a minute. That sounds really familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, but seriously, kudos to them. I'm very excited to see what they do this year because that schedule, man, if anyone's going to do it, it's Whitewater. Exactly. Um, we can move on, though. We've got some uniforms. We're not talking NFL quite yet, Trevor. Okay. Let me pull up. The video to react to here. Did you say this is Virginia State? No. New uniforms for Virginia Union. Virginia Union. D2 team out of Richmond in the CIAA. They went 9-2 and two last year. Uh, so certainly some great play going on behind this. But we're not talking so much about their play and their stats today. We're just taking a look at these uniforms because this video was, uh, was pretty sweet that they put out. Kind of like a little horror vibe. Love the chrome. The chrome the helmet chrome is a good is look. Sweet. We've taken a look at a lot of matte helmets, I think, recently on this show. So chrome is kind of a good it switch up. Immediately reminds me of Louisville chrome. It does. Helmets. Absolutely does. By the way, that's dangerous standing on top of that thing in cleats. <laughs> Did we, am I just yeah. thinking that? That that looked kind of ridiculous. I might have to uh I might pause that again when we get back to it. I love like this kind of like lightning vibe, but hold on. It's kind of cool how they did it like yeah, that seems really guys. Yeah, what are we? That first of all, that thing doesn't even look that damn stable. It looked like it might just wobble over. Does it look if one really guy was way high, heavier. Does it look really high up too? Like, 
Well, think about it. How tall are those guys? Those guys are they're either, probably around six foot at least. They're either four or five or they're <laughs> normal size people. I think we're going to go with normal size people. And that's a really tall letter. Yeah, not to take away from how sweet this video is, guys, but what are we doing up there? How did you get up there? Did they have a ladder? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it is pretty sweet, though, like a jersey reveal that's, like, outside. Like, yeah, it's pretty unique, I think. The logo and the art is really cool. Yeah, Like, it's absolutely sick. I'll play it one more time for the the people watching on YouTube here. Um, Kind of this, like, lightning vibe. Love how the chrome looks in that lighting. Like, it's just so clean. They did a good job with this video. They absolutely did. It looks good. Yeah. It looks solid. I would play the music, but I'm sure I'd probably get copyright striked. So we're going to just leave the audio up to your imaginations. Or you can check it out on uh, Virginia Union's Twitter because that's where I just, you know, took it from. That was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Lombardi Street is also pretty dope. I wonder what the tie-in is with that. I'm not actually sure. But those are the uniforms uh, for, I believe, they are the Panthers, yes. uh, I want to say. That's what their and, yeah, uniform the, says. So Oh, it did? Yeah. That would be my guess that they're Panthers, but yeah. I'm not 100% Maybe I should sure. use my eyes next time. Yeah. But that's pretty bad. Live and you learn, right? They do. Uh, you hope. You yeah. live. You just got to learn. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk a little bit about their conference, the CIAA, a conference we honestly have not talked a whole lot about on this particular program. Uh, they released their 2023 preseason coaches poll and all CIAA team. The defending champion, Fayetteville State, we talked about them a little bit. They actually had one of their uh, alum from last year. Trevor was on the Chiefs and got himself a ring. Pretty oh, wow. sweet. That's D2, sweet. Uh, a safety out of there. Blanking on his name off the top of my head. Excuse me for that. But Virginia Union picked third uh, in the predicted order here from the conference. Fayetteville State, number one. Uh, Bowie State, number two. And then Virginia Union behind those two. Really two quality opponents in front of them. And actually a pretty wild stat here. 2023 marks the fifth straight season. The Broncos and the Bulldogs were picked first in their respective divisions. Bowie State is in the North Division, and then Fayetteville State is in the South. So they were picked first, respectively, in the North and South. For the fifth year in a row? That's crazy. It's really consistent. That's good. Or they're just, have they been one and two, I wonder, for the past five years? Probably, right? Because that... I mean, let's think about it. Usually, preseason, yeah. It's either really lazy preseason polls, or that's just... Just how it is. Just right? how it is. Because I mean, I, I mean, I know Gleak poll will be releasing very soon here, but um, I a do lot know of, both of those programs are very good. Like, yeah, totally. And they have been for a while. Totally. And I think a lot of what the preseason poll is, you know, what did you do last year? But these coaches, the ones that are doing these polls, like they know what's going on in the offseason. They know right. if you've got big changes or if you're losing big time players, whatever. So you definitely will see teams move around. It's not like you have uh, idiots like us just going out here and making random numbers next <laughs> to teams, right? We're not idiots, but... No, you're right. Damn right. We're close, but... I got asked, actually, to do uh, preseason polls for conferences in our Instagram DMs. And I said... I basically said, like, hey, I would love to. But I don't have enough time to look at every team and do the research necessary to make rankings. We want to do the research. We don't just want to, like, guess. Exactly. Yeah. Because then we'd be... Then we would be idiots. Yeah. You know? Then we would be idiots. So then he was like, why don't you just do a GLIAC one? And I'm like... Because then I would have eight other kids like you DMing me for preseason <laughs> polls in their conference. <laughs> uh, but chokes aside, uh, sweet jerseys from Virginia Union, and we can move on to uh, some other jerseys, this time the pro level. We'll start with the Colts because I'm excited about the Seahawks. Uh, so we'll we'll go with the Colts first, Trev. I don't have as much to talk about on them, but just of we'll, kind of, we'll kind of react to just their look here. And my beef with these jerseys as I pull them up on the screen – 
just just plain. They, but it, like BYU gotta, called, they want their look back. You got to like, remember, first of all, you got to remember this is the Indianapolis Colts. Name a time that they've had a better jersey than that jersey right there. Can that you is name a one? Very valid. You point. can't name one. That's a very Kobe. That's a valid point. So you need to think about what team you're looking at first. <laughs> then you can talk. First right? of all, <laughs> I think they look good. I think it, they do. Yeah, they it's do. not. It's not anything crazy. My only complaint is they have the black helmets. Why don't you have like a little black on the jerseys of some? Sort? That's a great question. Like, and why I don't you have like a black a black stripe like black stripes down the or something yeah. like something? It's, I mean, he's even wearing black sleeves to try and like augment. See, that, that or, looks like, so, out. that looks good because he was wearing the black sleeves. But not every single person is going to wear black sleeves on their team, especially when you have that much white in the or, uniform. Or wear you know black, I mean? black socks or something. Does he have black socks on, or is that the part of the cleat? I think that's part of the cleat. Correct? It's part of the cleat. I think. Yeah, because those blue socks are like the yeah the, like the wave those big scrunchy ones. Yeah, interesting. That that would be my biggest complaint. But I think they look good. They're not. They're one of the. I guess worse alternate ones we've alternate uniforms we've seen mm-hmm. this year, but but to be fair, the bar is pretty high. Yeah, especially I'd, after we see these next uniforms, the bar is pretty freaking right, high right. because so, the alternates is where these teams can get out of their comfort zone a little bit, and that's probably why I was expecting a little bit something more flamboyant is because you know the rules are a little lessened yeah. because you're not wearing these every week, so you can be a little bit more creative and have a little bit more of that uh, pizzazz. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know pizzazz, sure, pizzazz. Let's look at the real alternate unis here, Trevor. That being from the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. And before we even look at any pictures of the uniforms themselves, I just want to take a second to appreciate this launch video that they put out on their Twitter because, like, you'll see. I guess I just let, it do, I haven't seen this video, let the video so. do the talking. And we'll talk about it while we watch it here. The absolute aesthetic, they're going for that, you know, that 80s, 90s more so aesthetic. Yeah. Look at this. This is a fully built-out set. Someone spent a lot of time on this. Even all the colors are down, the technology. This is awesome. But watch this. Takes off the covers. In full <laughs> uniform with cleats on. Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's crazy. Absolutely he's been featured hilarious. on a lot of stuff for the new uniforms. Yes. He's a rookie, which is kind of surprising. Even here. down to the music. Yep. Throwing the gloves on. And, I mean, we'll continue to watch this this video, but just looking, I think the, the biggest thing that stands out right away, strictly talking about the uniforms, is the color palette. is so clean. A little bit different green than what we're used to from the Seahawks. Looks like I'm watching, like, Full House right yeah, now. Exactly, like, like you're in like, the kitchen. Like, really, like, in the 90s. He just took a little bite out of his Eggo waffle. Ma's doing the dishes. I'm out into the garage with the boys. This is sweet. Dude, like, uh, just kudos to their team. There is a so much work that went into this whole launch. And watch this, too. A little detail here. I'm going to pause it, actually, when he opens this door. Now, a lot of people probably didn't even notice this. That's not even, like, Seahawks Stadium. That's their old stadium. Oh, no way. That is the... I'm blanking, totally blanking. Excuse me, Seahawks fans. I'm totally blanking on the name of it. They had to go through and, like, recreate that and then edit him into... So he's just walking into a green screen right now, basically, is what's happening. But the fact, the dedication to, like, they just nailed the entire aesthetic. This might be the coolest uniform reveal I've ever seen. Like, like the time they had to put into this. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, it did not take overnight they got this set put together and this thing was in the works for potentially months yeah yeah it's absolutely sweet. so i mean i'll finish out the video though he just walks in a little bit of a logo action and uh there's your video dude but 
I mean, that's it's just incredible. And like hats off to them, their creative team. It was so sick. And then just, I mean, what I'll do next actually is just pull up their whole Twitter feed because looking at even just their profile right here, I mean, the dedication to this whole launch is absolutely awesome. You have the banner image, the profile, all back to that retro. They should just go back to these colors permanently. Like, check this out, dude. I'll go right to the media. That way is that a hot take it. saying that? It, I don't know, dude. I don't even know if it is because I want it to. Yeah. Look at this picture. This so <laughs> sick, so dude. I mean, going down there. K9. The amount. Yes, dude. The amount of content they've already produced. Those helmets are so crisp. Look at this. Is that a CD? That's so sweet. Can't wait to play this week eight. This is incredible, dude. And you, I, I just wanted to pull up their feed because there's no way I could just pull up all this. This is what we're going to look at next. Their interactive throwback website. We'll take a look at that in a second. But just the the quality we've already talked about. Having quality is one thing, but having quantity on top of it is another. Yeah, they have just, been putting out a continued wow. surplus of amazing And it's not just content. like one player like I thought. Like I originally just saw mm -hmm. I saw DK that. and Smith and Jigba. Yep. But I didn't realize that. Basically, mm -hmm. it's basically like their whole team. They got the whole <laughs> roster involved. It's incredible. Look at this. Like, dude, I this set is so badass, dude. Can we take a second to appreciate this? We might have to be stealing some ideas. Oh, I got the audio on, so you probably can't hear me. There we go. We might have to be stealing some ideas from this set as far as Northern goes, because that is so sick, dude. Look at the jukebox in front yeah, of this that's dude. Sweet. That is so badass. All right, but to finish it off, let's take a look at this interactive website because, Trevor, honestly, this is what really throws it all together. So when you load up this website, this screen wow. is what you're greeted by. It looks like from the 90s. Am I going to play Minesweeper right now? <laughs> so here, let's let's go through it. I don't think you can see my cursor on um, the uh, video side of things. Where is... Where is my mouse? I absolutely lost it. There it is. I don't think you can see my cursor, but we'll go through it. We hit start. This the dial-up? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry for headphone users. That, I, this is my first time doing this, actually. I didn't do it until we got on the show. I'm... Did not know those sounds were coming, so I apologize. But that adds to the experience if you're watching this. Look at this website. It's so This might have been more work than the actual set design for the video. This is chock full of content. So cool. They built out a whole aesthetic for this brand new website. This is such a... Like, who came up with all these ideas? I like, don't this even is unreal. Know. Like, we would go to the jersey. It takes us right down here. All the details. Looks like a catalog. Like, I'm going to go buy these. Are you going to go get two of them? Yeah. For the studio? Oh, my goodness. Those helmets look so good. They're incredible, dude. This is the best piece of NFL advertising have, like, marketing that I've ever seen. Look at that. They even have, like, the history of the uniform on there. That's really good. And it's all laid out in a way that it probably would have been. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. At the bottom there, just throwback with a little funny little NFL gif. They definitely custom made for this. Yeah. Just kudos, man. I mean, I might actually after this just, you know, ditz around with this and see what's all on here. It's so neat. Oh, even these little, like, Internet Explorer ads. <laughs> like, 
What? That's hilarious. This Throwback retro, like, gear. yeah. Which, by the way, that's I'm sure that's all real gear, oh, right? Yeah, that probably sure. is part of the launch, too, not just the jerseys. The Kingdome. There it is. That's the old stadium. That's what it's called, the Kingdome. So that's what they kind of remade there. Awesome stuff. Like, absolutely awesome stuff from the Seahawks. But that was a great episode. I think we're about wrapped. We should be, episode. shoot, kind of like 50 minutes. So sweet. it's pretty good. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, we got everything right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for tuning in. Division One Rejects will be back on Tuesday next week with a linebacker from West Texas A&M, a preseason All-American. Get excited for it. I am. 